Hello, my name is Dustin Klein. I'm the host and blah, blah, blah of Everything's Been Done, a weekly cycling video that lives on YouTube. <laughs> and today I'm reporting to you live. Well, not really, but we'll say live from Portland, <laughs> Oregon. KLM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and on this episode, I had an amazing conversation about cycling, culture, and creativity with artist, maker, cyclist, and YouTube content creator, Dustin Klein. But before we get to that conversation, Unfortunately, Sheldon is not here this uh, afternoon. I Honestly, I haven't seen Sheldon in weeks. I'm not even sure where he is. I think he's in California. He might be in Washington. He's been traveling all over for work. Don't worry. He will be back someday. I don't know when, but you know he's got to be out there making money for his ferrets or something. So Sheldon will be back, but I do have joining me a... Uh, a cyclist that uh, has gone head-to-head with me on a few races in the last couple years, uh, Ryan B.A. Did I say that right? Yep. Ryan B.A. Or should I say Dr. B.A.? I mean, what, what do you prefer? Could I call you Ryan or would you prefer doctor? Uh, I'll, I'll be Ryan in this environment. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Ryan just um, just finished his dental what, what, dental school? Yep, dental school. From yeah. U of M? Yes. And um, we are going to talk a little bit about Fast Fitty that just happened this past weekend. Um, Ryan, before we uh, get into that conversation, you know, I was thinking back about when I first, um, we, we've crossed paths a couple times. Last year, we rode uh, the Watermoo 100. Great. And um, I was thinking that was the first time we rode together. But do you remember, we actually rode together... Lord of the Springs. Yes. Yeah, so was that two, 2018 maybe? Uh 2019 2019. Um in fact, which was my first gravel race um on a mount, it was on a mountain bike, but Yeah, Lord of the Springs, it's kind of if you're not familiar, it's it's kind of like this hybrid single track um and also gravel road race that um everyone rides a mountain bike, right? Like you're riding a mountain bike. Yep. Yep, and that was my my first one in the series, and since I this past weekend Fast Fitty was my fourth uh, gravel race, and three of those I've competed directly with Trevor. So basically, <laughs> my gravel cycling experience is that. <laughs> I didn't realize that you were so. Uh, I, I'm not going to call you a novice because you're obviously fit and. Um, you know what you're doing out there, but I didn't realize that you haven't, in terms of racing, you haven't really had much experience uh, gravel racing. Correct. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I have a background as a runner, so getting into cycling has been a great learning experience for me, humbling, uh, something different that I've been able to do the past couple of years and started during school. But um, yeah, you could say I'm a novice. I am still learning how to be smart in races and um, really just 
learning about the whole cycling thing. Yeah, but competition is something you're very familiar with. As you said, you were a collegiate runner at uh, MSU. Yep, yep. I spent five years uh, running at Michigan State, um, competed in a lot of events, uh, mile up to um, my longest was a, was an 8K. But competition is not foreign to me, certainly. But the dynamics of cycling are vastly different than running. Oh, and and uh, if you've ever road with a former runner um you kind of might get a little bit of sense of that how it's different <laughs> well I, so you spent the last few years over in uh, at u of m in ann arbor and i mean kind of it's almost like you you were mentored under nick stanko a little bit because he was similar in uh uh a former collegiate runner a former runner i don't know was he a collegiate runner he was yeah he ran at um at u of m okay um very successful runner long running career uh, marathon, uh, post collegiately, but he, yeah, he's been a great mentor for me. I know he's been on the podcast yeah, yeah, before, absolutely. but Friend of um, podcast. was my mentor ever since high school. Yeah. He was my high school cross country coach oh, okay. and, uh, everything, um, he gets into, I've kind of been able to follow in the footsteps, whether that was running when I was a teenager and, um, now cycling, he does all sorts of crazy stuff. So, inevitably i ended up getting into crazy things as well <laughs> yeah no i know that um you've been a part of that whole like ann arbor cycling community um but i didn't realize there was such a close connection between you and nick that's 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 really fascinating yeah yeah before he was hammering 200 mile races uh, he was teaching art class at hazlitt high school and coaching people like me so um really great mentor and he impacted a lot of lives uh high schoolers and beyond um back back in his time yeah that's awesome and he's still he's still uh you know trying to make a, a difference in this community whether it's cycling community or whatever um i know that he's really like what just just between like the different events and things that he puts on um he's he's into that so yeah like super cool uh cycling uh community over in ann arbor but, but now you're kind of in the uh lansing back to the lansing area Yep. Yep. Ann Arbor will always have a special place in my heart. It's where I learned how to ride a bike on the local loop, uh, mountain bike trails and um, amazing gravel roads. It was a kind of good outlet for me uh, going through dental school. But um, now that I'm back in the Lansing area, I look forward to bring a lot of a lot of what I learned there um, about, you know, group riding and just having a good time developing a great cycling community. Uh, and help develop that in the Lansing area as well. So yeah. there's, it's joining a good community here as well. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And we are uh, lucky to have you here for sure. So we are fresh off of the Fast Fitty race out of Charlotte, Michigan. Um, it was last weekend. You and I rode the 54 mile version. Um, there are a couple other versions, like a 30-ish mile and maybe like a 20. There's There are three different versions. Um, we rode the long one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, preparation-wise, week of, um, are you pretty disciplined about going into race week, or how, how did you approach it this, this very week? Well, so coming from a competition uh, kind of lifestyle as a former runner, um, I spent a lot of time in college participating in in sport at that kind of highest level or trying to strive to live the life of an endurance athlete high level endurance athlete and 
that was very fun. It was very rewarding, but it's also very mentally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, being at your A game every single day, showing up to practice for three to four hours every day, and dedicating you know dedicating your time to making sure you're at peak performance. Uh, so cycling now is something I approach. Um, I don't want to say uh, more like as more fun, but my my discipline has become more trying trying to make it a good time for myself, and I'm not putting, I guess, performance metrics on my plate. I'm saying, I want to go out there. I'm just going to hammer, see how you know deep I can go. And um, I'm just going to have fun with this. So uh, to answer the question, the week of, um, I did my first uh, Tuesday night ride, which for those unfamiliar is a hammer fest oh, yeah, uh, yeah. road ride in um, the road south of Lansing. And that got me geared up and really excited to race hard because I was put in the hurt box for two hours in that <laughs> ride. And um, and then I was ready for Saturday. So in the span of the week, I did probably my two hardest uh, hardest rides of the, of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always good. Um, yeah, no, that's... I, I, I go back and forth. Sometimes I have like a really light week and I go into a race and um, sometimes I have a heavy week. Um, but usually... If I have a light week, it's kind of like counterproductive and mm-hmm. uh, my legs just feel like they haven't been doing anything all week. And mm-hmm. usually I like a little bit of like TNR is perfect race week, I think, because you have enough time to recover before um, before race day. I actually and I do I did want to talk about this before we get into Fast Fitty. But uh, have you heard of the recently uh released or announced that there's going to be a new gravel race up in the up it's called the moran 166 have you seen anything about this i have seen a lot on uh, social media uh-huh. for that event it's it looks very appealing beautiful roads um and that seems right up my alley that yeah. kind of race uh, so so it's sponsored by bear claw bikes um bear claws out of traverse city michigan and um, we've had jason lowitz on the podcast before and i've been kind of and and he's been downstate to racing some of these gravel races and uh when this was announced that he was going to do this uh put on this race he actually texted me and was wondering if i wanted to come up and check out the course and it was for uh, last weekend i couldn't do the weekend but he said well come up anytime Mm -hmm. so actually last week on monday i did so stupid uh i drove three and a half hours up to moran which is it's just kind of right over the mackinac bridge um so I drove up there in the morning, and we did 94 miles of the 166 miles. And then um, then I ate some fried fish, and then I drove three and a half hours back. <laughs> but it was, it was cool. I mean, it, 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 was, it was a great way to see what the course is like. Yeah. Super interesting roads, a lot of different types of gravel, but it's pretty flat. So it makes for like, it'll make for a really fast as fast as 166 miles can go. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and, and man, Jason is on flying form right now. He must've been riding those roads all. I think he said he rode them all winter on his, uh, bear claw has this Tomac, which is like a, uh, a, a fat bike drop bar, fat bike. So he okay. rode those roads all winter on this Tomac. And, uh, man, he's, he, he put me in the hurt locker that, that day wow. so that that's kind of a probably not the smartest thing to do on race week is to ride 94 miles yeah, yeah. and just get <laughs> get uh, basically uh emptied my tank a little bit 
Um, but I am looking for it. Like I did sign up for Moran 166. It's in September, September 11th. Um, so I'm gonna I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I saw some big names on the who already registered. I saw that Ian Boswell. Does that name ring a bell? Rings bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Professional cyclist yeah. now gravel yeah. cyclist. So it's gonna be a fast one mm-hmm. for sure. But anyways, back to oh, you know what? One more thing before we get there. I I don't have you heard of Chet Bearclaw? Uh it it sort of seems like a legendary name at this point. I've I've heard it's the There's name. There's many stories, yeah. Yeah. I you know, going through your ride, um, doing the typical Strava stalking <laughs> of people that do big rides, I see all these segments that are named Chet um something and they're all in caps so <laughs> that's my experience so far with yeah, uh, chet, chet is this Bear. like uh yeah he's a, a a mythical figure that few people have had the chance to talk to or see but uh luckily in the shadows i saw a man dressed fully in denim <laughs> lots of hair and uh he gave me a quick little interview so i got a little uh a little audio clip. I'll play it right here for you. A, a, a very rare interview with Chet Bearclaw. <laughs> Chet, a lot of people are talking about uh, the Moran 166, which is basically happening in your backyard. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about the, uh, the race or, or the event? Uh, in my backyard? Uh, yeah, I, I I thought so. Aren't which, you? Which one of my backyards? Um, how many backyards do you have? Seven. <laughs> I think it's in the fourth Seven. backyard. Okay. Yeah, up in the UP. Exactly. Okay. Yep, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, what was the question? Uh, yeah, the, there's this new race, the Moran 166. Like, what? Um, yeah. Do you know anything about I it? I heard about that. Yep. Um... 166 miles, right? That's Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, that's a pretty short one, but it uh, should be good. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's uh, it's what fast. Is, what, yeah, what's the, uh, what's the conditions like? Uh, what, fast. What, what kind of bike would you recommend? Time trial bike. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a time trial bike. Uh, I would go arrow probably from about the time they say go. Okay. Until uh, cross the finish line, first place. A lot of people will be wondering um, the, the tire choice. What 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 would nineteen? You... What what kind of psi? Oh, hundred and twenty. Okay, <laughs> okay. Nineteen C tires, probably. Um, it, have you done the route before? No. Okay. How many packs? Like, are you gonna are you gonna do it? How many packs of cigarettes would you? Oh, um, would yeah. you uh, um, pack for probably for a cigars. route like that? Eight packs. That's about eight packs of cigs. Okay. And I'd probably bring a bottle of water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, great. Well, we're excited for it. So uh, thanks for thanks for chatting. Any any other? Uh, yeah. I just hope to see everybody there, and um, I hope everybody can go maybe five to ten percent as fast as I go, and that should work out good. <laughs> thanks, Chad. No, thank you. Okay, back to uh, Fast Fitty and our experience. Ryan, I asked you to uh, be on the podcast because uh, you and I had a little bit of fun out there uh, and kind of a a rare circumstance that I I really haven't encountered much uh, in some of these gravel races, but Mm -hmm. you and I found 
well, I don't know where you want to begin, but uh, let's just kind of jump into all of a sudden within like 12 miles or so, you and I were on a breakaway and had a pretty substantial gap, right? Yep. Um, And you said at the beginning, you know, uh, and I mentioned how kind of a novice uh, racer and we both looked at each other at one point during this break, which happened pretty early and... Uh, I think you said, Hey, I, I've never really done this before. And, and I say, uh, neither have I, we're kind of just out here two two guys hammering away and there's, uh, maybe 20 guys d- back down the road behind us. And yep. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how we're going to make this work. So, so it, the, the 54 mile and the 30 mile, um, race or like the, uh, distances, the group started together. The wave one started with a mixture of 30 mile racers and 50 mile racers. So the group was pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that group split, before the 30 milers went their own way, um, I had a few teammates that were riding 30 miles in the 50. And so they were kind of mixing it up a little bit with us. And at one point, Brett, um, big bearded Brett, who uh, he, he kind of like flew off the front. And you and I caught his wheel, and then we get to the, this base of a hill, and he's like, "I can't go up this hill." <laughs> yeah. And and we look back, and we and that's where we got that gap. So you mm-hmm. and I kind of went up that hill pretty pretty quick, and then we mm-hmm. kept that gap for a good like ten or twelve, I don't know, twelve miles maybe. Yeah. yeah 12 so it was right around like mile twenty five when I think some people were a little motivated to to catch us, and it was close enough that. We decided not to uh, kill mm-hmm. ourselves and right. dangle out in the in the front for the whole time. Yeah, which then uh, created a new dilemma for us with the with the group catching. Um, we had to almost second guess ourselves as you and I then uh, began still trading off the front. Um, so I guess it could be the the break that you know, never was or the break that could have been. Yeah. Uh, but we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know what was going to happen with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely second guess myself as soon as we got back, just the, no one again, like all of a sudden the, the, it slowed down and people didn't want to do a lot of work. And I kind of s- swore to myself, it was like around mile 25 and like, don't be dumb and do all the work up here. Cause you got a lot of race left. Right. And then I probably got to, I was like, maybe after mile 30, I'll start pushing the pace. Yep. Well, that lasted for about two minutes. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, this is ridiculous. So yeah. I started going up and like, and then you and I started trading pulls again. And we did a pretty good job of uh, kind of decimating the field a little bit. Yeah. In, in the time that the group got back, um, you know, the finishing sprint group was seven mm-hmm. of us and that had been whittled down big time. Yeah. So, um, it, it worked us hammering on the front. So people ended up, uh, dropping off and the people that did stick with us covered really well. I, I know I went in the tank a couple times on some of those Hills and tried to just drop some people off the back and they covered a bunch of people. So yep. pro- mad, you know, props to them for doing that. Yeah, definitely. Um, good course too. I mean, I've ridden the course a couple times. I haven't raced it before this is my first time but you raced it last year yeah i raced last year and it was in august uh one of the few gravel races in michigan 
And that was my experience with it was that it was going to be fast and furious right from the gun. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of big names there. Yeah. And it was it was definitely it lived up to its name. It was a fast fitty for sure. There were there there were a lot of names last year. And um uh so well, well let's let's we we had a pretty good day. Um, yes. I'm curious to know what our day would have been like if some of these big names had returned <laughs> mm-hmm. this year. <laughs> right. You know, it would have been a different. It would have been a different story a little bit. But yeah, well, there might have been a couple more bodies in the initial break, and yeah. then we would have had that be the race. Yeah. So. Um. So we we get towards the end, and I wasn't sure how to play it because you and I have been doing all the work. And I, I didn't know if these other dudes were just holding back so they had something in the tank at the end or if they were suffering. It was a little hard for me to tell. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing what I could to maybe make it kind of a surgy race just to maybe hurt them a little bit more. But I had yeah. no idea what was going on. Um, but I was a little concerned about all the work that we had been doing and what would, what would happen we got to the pavement and I kind of tried to take off early, but yeah. I don't think I quite had enough in me. I realized that I was, I was going to get caught. So I slowed down. You, you went up to the front mm-hmm. and, and I got on your wheel and I mean, it, it was almost like if, if we were teammates, we're not teammates, but it felt like I just kind of rolled your wheel until it was go time until the finish line from there. Yep. You know, it's funny you say that the teammates roll. Although we didn't enter the race uh, as official teammates, uh, when you were kind of on my wheel and, and that right going into the final sprint, um, and then you broke away and ended up getting the victory, it, it did feel like I kind of pumped my fist a yeah. little bit. I was like, "All right, good." He he deserved to win that race. Um, you know, you were doing the strongest work throughout, putting the hurt on everybody, and it felt like it was the right result. And um, although, you know, I ended up sitting up a little early and the runner in me was kind of, okay, I'm going to hammer at the wrong time and not know how to finish a sprint out. But, um, <laughs> I had a blast throughout the final couple miles and I was just really happy to see that, uh, what, who I believe was the strongest rider there for the day ended up winning. So that was, that was my victory for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks man. And yeah, it, it helped to have a wheel and it helped to have like someone that, you know, if you, if you knew what I was doing and didn't want it, me to be there, you could have like, I don't know, moved around a bunch, but, right. uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good wheel to follow and you sprinted and then I kind of used that momentum to get around and yeah. there's a, there's a really stupid turn at the end and I, I wanted to be away from people before that turn exactly. and luckily I had a little bit of a gap so I could take that turn however I wanted it to. But I, the one reg- regret I do have is I kind of feel like you sacrificed your finish for my finish. <laughs> well, you know, the results, I mean, it, it there is a little bit like, could I have been third, maybe second, maybe. Okay. But at the end of the day, I felt really good. Um, this was my first time being in kind of that front finishing sprint group. Um, I felt a lot of achievement being up there. Uh, and I felt good about the work I'd done throughout the day. Uh, so I was just having a blast those last couple couple miles. Yeah. Just riding it in with the group. Cool, man. So. It was it was a it was a fun day and you were super strong through it. Are, what what do you have uh you have anything else planned this season? 
Uh, definitely got the water moo. That's okay. um, going to be my next for sure race. Uh, you know, us, us former runners like races that are longer and hillier, the, you know, the better. Yeah. Um, I think that'll suit my riding style. Uh, then, a you know, as a 54 is pretty long race, but it's still a little short for me to feel like I can hammer it out on the front and get people to drop by the finish line. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, the water move last year, we, we ended up with a pretty small group at the end and any move you were making at the end was, was going to tag hurting. someone off the yeah, back. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a fun race too. Yeah. I I'm, I'm probably 90% sure I'm going to do water move mm-hmm. as well. That's a mm-hmm. great course. Another great course. And man, those, <laughs> those last 11 miles, cause it's 111 miles. Yeah. Those, those hurt. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done plenty of centuries. Um, but only one that's that's that long and this will be my second one so. yeah well cool ryan great uh great race this last weekend and we'll see you around all right thank you trevor and now from racing to my conversation with dustin klein someone who as you will hear in the interview could really care less about racing bicycles dustin's popular youtube channel everything's been done combines his passions of cycling community building and creativity. Please enjoy Dustin Klein. I can kind of see what's behind you, but um, you know, for the listeners, they're they're not seeing anything. So, will you kind of just give us a rundown where you are and where where you are recording this from? Yeah, well, hello, my name is Dustin Klein. I'm the host and blah, blah, blah of Everything's Been Done, a weekly cycling video that lives on YouTube. (laughs) And today I'm reporting to you live. Well, not really, but we'll say live from Portland, (laughs) Oregon, in the base level of the art house, which is my streaming studio, what have you space. And there's an upstairs loft area that has the drill, I call it like the dry room, editing, drawing, and it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an introduction. That was uh, pretty impressive. I think, I don't think I, we've had one like that before. Um, you kind of explained um, a little bit about what you do. You have your hands at a lot of different things. This is why I'm very interested in talking with you. And I'm not sure where to start. Um, I think because this is a cycling podcast, I'd like to start with bikes unless you think we should start somewhere else. Um, maybe this will maybe this will help. I have a question for you. How <laughs> how did you find me? Okay, well, I was going to tell this story, but I wasn't sure of where I was going to tell it. But I am a late comer to the uh, everything's been done YouTube series and uh, to what you are doing over there. Just through YouTube, man. I just was looking through YouTube and I came across one of your videos. I didn't watch it yet, but my initial reaction was who is this dude? Like <laughs> I had never heard of you. And at this, you do always, you see more and more things with like gravel cycling and all this stuff. And I'm like, here's another dude just, uh, putting up videos with a, with a GoPro. And, but I watched your video and I was like, Whoa, this, this is a little different. And then I saw that you've been doing this shit for like four years, five years, or even, I don't know how long, but, uh, then I was like, Holy cow, this guy is uh, legit. And, I apologize for thinking, being ignorant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's like a, a very real and common response. I do it all the time. You're on YouTube, you're like, judgment, judgment. This person's an idiot. Why do they have a million subscribers or whatever, you know? Right. 
and then uh you know you kind of live with the thing and you experience it and i don't know but i appreciate you sti- you know trying it basically for for the <laughs> most part you know and then uh but yeah i've been involved with cycling for a very long time i fell into being a bike messenger in 2003 and I've just been in it ever since. And I think the reason that my angle is a little different is I grew up obsessed with skateboarding and I was a really, and I've really been into subcultures. So skateboarding culture. And then also I'm an artist. So an artist just sees things differently. And I just happen to have way too much energy. So cycling and it just like bikes took over what skateboarding was. And then it was like, okay, cool. Like cycling's the activity like how do i just make things within that and then dabble in all the different cultures yeah that's that's incredible um so with uh bike messenger culture or bike messaging i mean you were a bike messenger i assume and uh where in what what area were you were you messaging or bike messaging or i don't, I don't know what the i know it does, i don't know if there's a proper whatever that is <laughs> uh, blind leading the blind over here. Well, I think it's a pro- proverbial adjective with a connotative noun. I f- completely fell into being a bike messenger in Sacramento, California. I was interning at a skateboard magazine there called heckler. It was a skate music snow magazine. And I'd always, Oh, this is the, to make the story a little weirder. I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota. So like culturally deprived just you know (laughs) pre-internet pre-cell phone so a lot of magazines and stuff and the first chance i could i left the day after high school graduation and like went west because i just wanted to be around like skateboard culture like urban culture city culture and and i knew about bike messengers got this job and was like cool like that's interesting and as i was doing it i realized oh there's like this massive scene or culture that's uh like involved with this job it's not it's kind of a job but it's definitely like a lifestyle choice it can turn into a job and it can get pretty depressing and gross at that point for people because they'll just it's a dead-end job you know like there's not a lot of anything because you're you're an independent contractor he's getting into the weeds he's talking about the 401 yeah okay now ask me another question (laughs) so then how does how does that become um now all of a sudden like uh flash forward flash forward fast forward to um to now like how does that transition i mean yeah you're into uh art and these things and and bike messenger culture but Obviously, that has has blown up into something a lot bigger. Um, you're you're riding bikes with gears and um, with free hubs. So, like, how does that go from bike messaging to basically um, kind of like the everything been everything's sorry I screw that up every time everything's been it's... done channel where you're riding these these crazy gravel adventures. So being a like I said, Messenger has this massive culture around it. And through that, I became just more and more involved with cycling because it's like you're riding bikes every day. There's this culture, there's races, events, style is a big part of it. And I just like thrived off of that. And then as I was getting burnt out and being a bike messenger, at the same time, I was starting um, 
I realized it one like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, like I want to make things for a living. What's that going to be? And I started uh, this company called Cadence, which was a lifestyle cycling apparel company. And at the time I was like, well, if there's clothing for skateboarding, why isn't there clothing for bike messengers, fixed gear riders, city cyclists? And this was 2005. So pre a lot of this stuff, moved to San Francisco, start doing Cadence, get involved with MASH SF, which was a, a pinnacle track bike movie that, you know, helped blow track bikes up globally. We, you know, go to Japan for premieres and the whole thing. And oh, wow. that helps elevate the Cadence project. I start doing Cadence full time, the same time that I moved to Seattle, Washington. Uh, and then I got a studio space from a, 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 there was a friend of mine had a bag company called Reload Bags, Messenger Culture. They made bags. She had a storefront and workspace. So I go up there doing Cadence full time, doing that. We end up becoming partners. She's now my wife. Her name's Ellie Lum. And okay, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I swear <laughs> to God, in Seattle... I started uh, an event called Fast Friday because in San Francisco, it was like the arrow's head, the tip of the of the arrow for what was happening specifically with track bikes in, the, in cities. And they were just like, it was growing and blowing up. But San Francisco was like the, the tip of that. Moved to Seattle. I'm repeating myself. At least I'm aware of it. Uh, <laughs> And I was like, okay, I know what's going to happen here in like two years. So I started this event called Fast Friday to really just bring track bike people, cyclists together consistently, because I knew that if they came together consistently, they would start to become friends or enemies. Either way, they're going to create a scene or a community. And also because it was a younger scene there, people's skills weren't as like, high as they were in San Francisco. So it was a lot of skill-based events um, in the event. So, you know, it was a goal, build skill, bring people together, boom. So th that ties into the community thing again, sure, like yeah. you mentioned, culture, community. And then from there, West Coast living. And eventually I just, the Cadence Project kind of ran its, its course. Uh, and I transitioned into just like, a, a friend of mine showed me some like YouTube vlogs. And I was like, vlog sounds fucking dumb. Like, what is this? And specifically it was a Casey Neistat video. And I was like, oh, yo, that I can get down with this. It's like one person, creative freedom in this certain medium. That's it. And I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this with cycling because we're doing these huge rides, spend the whole day and have what to show for it. I was like, I want to make something while I'm doing this. Because rides are so boring, you know, <laughs> and safe. What can we do to make them more dangerous and harder? <laughs> so, so that's how the, the, yeah, the channel came about. And then just through doing that, I moved to Portland at one point, kind of just before I started doing the videos. And he, oh, that was like oh, uh, 15 and like that, you know, little pre gravel, not quite. Sure. I don't even know if that word was like used yet. Yeah. Everyone rode bikes to cross bikes to cross bikes like going distance and then everyone's like, we need bigger tires. And then like, you know, the, the, the brands would develop alongside of it. And just through doing these things, I met this group of people called OMTM and it stands for our mother, the mountain. And we're so lucky in Portland to have these guys. It's two guys, Ron Lewis and Ryan Francisconi. And they 
essentially build routes all over the the circumference of Portland, you know, within like four miles, uh, four hour drives. Sorry, is like the the distance. Uh, uh, I fucking rambled myself into a corner. <laughs> Hold on, they're gonna take it back on three. Ready, four, three. <laughs> And then, uh, oh, so these guys build routes all over the place and they put them up for free for anyone to to ride at any point. They vet them from doing them. They both really care about it. They're very passionate about it. So the routes are good. And they were doing uh, monthly rides, meetup rides. So you'd meet up and like do one of the crazy routes that they did and you, you know, meet all these people from it and doing it together with like all these people super fun you you're going through this gauntlet of experience and and one of the things that's also really great about these guys they're not races they're rides we all just like going on rides like racing is like for for personally that's like a surefire way to kind of kill something that you love for me it's too much pressure it's too serious like what's the point i'd rather just enjoy the thing i enjoy yeah okay so yeah there's there's a lot of stuff to unpack with what you're you've been talking about and a lot of questions i had coming into this um Mm. before but uh the kind of going backwards then is exactly i i wanted to ask you about racing versus riding or um and and i wasn't sure something that your videos make very clear um, is just the uh, pure enjoyment of riding. And it's not going to a race. It's not going to necessarily... You know, I mean, sometimes there's an event or, 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 or whatnot, but you are going out, meeting people, um, riding for the fun of it. And you kind of already answered this question um, that uh, racing is not necessarily something you're, you're interested in. I was curious, though, about whether that's a product of yourself or that's a product of the 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 gravel the scene around you um because i'm kind of interested in there is a racing scene in michigan there's also like just kind of a culture vibe scene in michigan too but they kind of combine with each other and there's a lot of racing opportunities i'm not sure about in the oregon area about the gravel racing scene if there's a if that's big or if it's more of just let's get out and ride and enjoy it yeah, well, I personally don't care for racing. It's too much pressure. It's like I said, it's a surefire way to just pour water over the fire of something that I'm that I care about. So I'm like never, I never look for it. I like will avoid like, oh, it's a race. Like, cool. Like I'm gonna do something else. And I just found other people that obviously other people think the same way. And I think the thing that's kind of slightly confusing for people on the outside of that is cycling historically the culture is racing tour de france like what do you do with bikes you race bikes so that's ingrained in it so mm-hmm. i think it's really common for people to get into cycling and then racing is like a reason to ride like oh, i'm gonna do this race and but you don't have to do that like again i grew up skateboarding com- competition and skateboarding up until recently was very like fuck that not cool and I completely resonate with that. Like, it's a creative act. It's not about like, who's better at do fastest, like, like eh, jock shit, not interested. Sure. So tangent over, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, that's, no. I was, Welcome. <laughs> that's what I was, I was wondering about. And it just seems like that though, but you have kind of fallen into a group of people that are very like-minded in that way, or it's like a, um, instead of 
comp- competing with one another, you're sharing experience. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, I, yeah, and I just like I dig how your your videos kind of capture that in a in a pretty good way. And R- Ron, what a what a funny guy, man! What a <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> Who's all, so Ron is a, like a major character because he's a major friend. Yeah. In the in the videos, but he's the he's like the half, the active half of OMTM. Okay. So he, you know, he's he's a route master, and that's why that friendship riding combo is the fucking dream, because I hate building routes, I hate planning a thing, like I I, I get like overwhelmed by it, and also like I'm surviving the ride and documenting it. So then planning a thing on top of that is like it just gets to be it's like that's my tipping point sure but he's like hey i want to ride this this weekend and i'm like great i don't even care where it is like let's go like you get that i'll document it and make it look cool and fun and like dream team yeah really awesome so i i have a question about the, the documentation i know like a lot of these questions i'm asking you answer a lot of them on the on the videos you make uh, so, oh but cool. uh but I thought, what, whatever, I'm going to ask him anyways. But um, Yeah, yeah. And because not everyone listening has right. ever even heard of me. You know, right. like I never expect anyone to know who I am. But uh, I don't think you've answered this one. Um, I, I wonder, I'm curious, uh, <laughs> and maybe this is a, a weird question, but do you think the people you ride with, um, are they pro what you're doing or are they... Uh, God damn it, uh, Dustin's coming, and that now the you know we're gonna have to wait for him. Get this footage and this B stock or what you know, like what uh, what what's the what's the general feel when you're around? Are they excited that they might be uh, you know, in the in one of these videos? Or they kind of get annoyed with it? I love this question because <laughs> I actually always wonder this. And there's a few lanes I can go in with this or ways I could go. One, I have a horrible habit of not asking people if they're cool if I film. (laughs) I'll just start filming, just doing my thing. And I think part of that's from in the very beginning of doing the videos, I would would just be filming and then there'd just be like a big group ride. I'm not going to fucking ask like a hundred people, like, can I film you? I'm just going to do it. And if you're not into it, I'll, you know hopefully catch your social cues and then move on or, you know, so, but now, you know, like the rides of like four, two to six people, it's, um, I think it's just understood that I'm going to film sure. and I've started to ask, you know, for new people and I don't know if they love it or hate it. Like I, I, I hope they put up with it and that's enough for me, honestly. Like I don't care if they, if they hate it, don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, and it, it takes a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's, it, you have to be pretty brave to just like put yourself out there in that way. I mean, you're, you're putting out videos, of course, and that's kind of brave in itself. Um, brave, I don't know if brave is the right word, but, um, but also then you're, it's kind of vulnerable to be out there. Like, hey, I'll make it, here's a video, you know, here's me talking, here's me doing this. And sometimes I kind of am wondering every time I'm around, you know, at, at an event or something, and I want to do like a, an interview. Um, it's like, man, am I just gonna annoy the shit out of someone? Or and so, what I I actually end up not not going with my gut and saying, oh, I'm gonna do it. But I like I like your attitude of just get it done. Um, apologize later if you need to. <laughs> and then and then you got the story. Then you got the content. Then you got um, something creative to work with that you can share with people. And um, anyways, yeah, that's so this. This is good. I like what you're saying here. So 
uh, for sure, I get self-conscious. And interestingly, one of the, probably the only thing that that dissolves is when I'm on a ride. Cause I've okay. done so many rides and I have confidence about riding my bike, even though every ride like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to make who this is going to be a big one. Like <laughs> yeah, 10 miles or a hundred. You're like, Oh boy. <laughs> But on the ride, it's like, okay, like in my element, this is the thing. And that has a few things is there's no like bystanders around. We're in the middle of nowhere. So there's there's freedom in that. It's the easiest to film when you are by yourself because you can mess up as many times and do as many takes and no one's around to like say anything, laugh, react, whatever. Like filming yourself around other people, especially if there's like a group of people that you don't know, it's really challenging to get past one's own self-conscious resistance, blocks, sure. behavior. And it's it, it's gnarly hard to do that. But again, the ride is like, you know what? Like, this is like, I'm comfortable in this element. Dress like a freak. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It, but yeah, you just do the thing. And there's some people where I, yeah, it's happened you know, a handful of time. I'll be like, Hey, you know, put the camera in the face be like, tell me about your bike. And they're like, uh, uh, no, like I don't. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, okay. I should, you know, my bad, like this isn't for you. Yeah. And it just is great because then it doesn't end up in the video because it doesn't work. So it kind of self corrects itself in a sense. Uh, that that self-conscious and uh, you, you use the word block and I it mean, is a block. So it's it's a lot like and I'm sure it, it parallels with the creative process. Right. And, you know, whether you're being self-conscious, whether you you don't want to put something down on paper or record it or whatever, because you're you, you know, you, you're not sure it's your best work. Um, it's kind of in a similar way to that. Right. This is good. This is really good. Okay. So as a maker, you know, like you kind of just need to make stuff. Like it doesn't matter if it's your best work. It doesn't matter if your worst work It's just about the process of making things. And the more you make anything, the better you're going to get at it. And this goes in a multitude of ways. The more we practice self-hate, oh, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? You idiot the better you'll get at it and the more that that muscle will grow or the more you practice making videos, making drawings, like making podcasts, it, who, yeah, you're going to fuck it up. And some of them are going to be okay. And maybe every once in a while, one might be good, but it's kind of not up to the maker to us to decide if it's good or bad. Our job is to just produce hmm. and get out of your own self-conscious way. Like it, like it, it's kind of egotistical. Oh, I don't think this is good enough. Like whatever, like on to the next, finish it and make another one. And it's not really about the leaving the space to like overthink it. Tangent over. No, that's, that, that's really great. <laughs> I'm going to quote uh, your website right now as we're talking about this um, because we've been talking about cycling and your uh, relationship to cycling. And then of course, as you're talking about being a maker and artist um, th there's a, uh, um, a blurb on your website that says that you intermix two disciplines of creating and cycling. That's what we're talking about right now. And then, you, and then it goes on and says each aspect informs and influences the other. And I, I, I understand that, um, I'm a musician and I get 
like I feel the same way um, about cycling, about um, kind of any endurance uh, sport or endurance thing, but uh, especially cycling. Um, I I get that with with the way that it influences and uh, supports my music. Um, how, what does that mean to you? And and what do you what do you exactly mean by that? Um, influences and and supports the other. I mean, for the videos, it's such a seamless look at any of the videos. Like yeah. I, the creative thing I make is a, is a mini movie that's based on cycling. Well, let's, let's, it's like, let's th- let, can you get a little philosophical though? Like not just the nuts and bolts of you are creating something about cycling. Like, is there something deeper that, um, really sc- like scratches at your soul that you're like, yes, I, I need this part here. I, like, here's my create my creative part of me and then here's my cycling part of me and somehow these two things need to work together i don't know if they necessarily work to to like together like a puzzle piece as they're just both mutually beneficial of each other like if i don't ride for like a you know an extended period of time like i don't feel good so i won't want to produce as much work and vice versa if i'm not producing work for an extended period of time like and only riding my bike it's bad news, like not healthy, like it just doesn't balance. So maybe that's the word is it helps balance it out, sure. the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I'm also really a person that when I'm into something, like I'm kind of all in. And then I figure like, why would I like work a side job to try and do these other things? Like I just, my job needs to be what I'm passionate about. And I'm passionate about cycling and making things and you know it's like a recipe mixed with a certain amount of like opportunity and ability and it just kind of all works itself out and right now that manifests as these videos it in a, in a previous life it manifested making cycling apparel which yep. was it was just the same thing like concepts for collections designing things riding bikes like it just it's always kind of evolved around cycling which who knows what the future holds? Anything can happen. Like, I, I, I like the, the balance um, aspect of that. And, you know, not, everyone, uh, is, are, not everyone's making videos or um, capitalizes the wrong word, but capitalizing on the cycling, their, their cycling uh, passion. It's passion. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, but, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with capitalizing on passion, which is sure. 100% what I do because there's free fuel to do and you're compelled. And if you're compelled to do something, I mean, that's the alignment. That's the like perfect straight road tailwind, however you want to analyze it. That's yeah, that's, that's great. No, I, I agree. I going all the way back to like the non racing aspect of it all. Um, I, I look at what you're doing and um, how, brands I'm, I'm assuming brands reach out to you and they're i mean you're, you're riding all these like velier bikes which i mean you're talking about like non-racing culture that seem those bikes seem like the most racy bike i've ever <laughs> i've ever heard of you know italian whatever are they french italian french italian italian thank you um um but uh yeah one of the biggest things about um you know i, I think one of the biggest parts that uh, teams or whatever want their athletes to do 
is a lot of social media stuff and telling stories and all this stuff. But like, I feel like you, you just get rid of all of that and you do that job the best, the other aspect of it, the best, you know, and you don't need the racing, but you can still support a brand better than, Hey, better than the athletes can better than the, the, the racers can. Um, and you know, you said you're not sure what the future holds. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more people like you who are creating incredible things and helping these brands tell their stories. Yeah. Oh, you. The, I love it. Lots of things to go off of there. Okay. So the I completely agree. Uh, like professional athletes, professional cyclists, they're professional cyclists. So that balance we talked about earlier, they're 110 percent on the bike. Sure. Yeah. Only on the bike. They're not developing anything else. So you can't expect them to have a personality. Ooh, <laughs> subtle jab, but you know what I mean, unfortunately, or to be able to act or to like play it up. Like they're not exercising those, those, uh, muscles sure. of their life discipline. I'll let it, I feel at a loss for words. <laughs> Sure, Villiers like kind of a funny match for me. And I really, a lot of the brands, when the brands reach out, it's just a, the marketing departments, you know, like marketing is different than design, different than like accounting, different than whatever. So if there's someone in the marketing that's like, oh, I like what this person's doing, even if it's not like a total brand on match, it, in a way, it's kind of a smart move for someone like Villiers because they are so performance-based, mm -hmm. performance culture, performance customer, that what I'm doing is I'm showing them an audience that's not. It's rides over races. It's fun. It's like smoking weed, eating weird food, and having laughs with your friends. So, yeah. I, and, okay, I can go off on that a little more, too, is I, I think it's just kind of a clever move on their part. But one thing I've really learned from doing this is when there's a product, because essentially what I do is marketing and I'm super okay with it. I actually get such a kick out of it because it's such a game that I'm not that good at. I just do it a lot <laughs> is um, when there's a, like a brand match for the audience of any scenario, it's crazy to see how like uh, in alignment it is and how it just like works. And the, the, like the, the viewers or the audience like wants to know about those things. And it's just really interesting. It, it, when I was, you know, in the past, I'd think like, oh, anybody who has like a lot of followers, you show them anything and they can just like, they'll sell it. But if you're like, hey, we've got blue squares over here and the audience is actually into like red triangles, you know, a few will maybe bite, but most won't. But if you show a red triangle product to that, to those audiences, it's this crazy match. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about either. Well, how do you how do you then uh, pinpoint that match? I mean, that's what marketing is, I guess. It's like, you know, target audience and all this stuff. But like but uh, one thing that I find very interesting about your channel is um, similar to like what um, what we're doing here is we're talking about a specific community and we're talking oh, well, yes we talk to people from all over the country and we talk about different events and things but we we're in the, the Michigan scene and we talk about the Michigan scene um, I worry that that is pigeonholing ourselves into a specific scene and other people won't relate to it 
But then as I'm watching your videos, I'm like, this dude is doing the exact same thing. You were, you were, you're uh, telling stories about your area, you're writing your events, and, um, and you have tens of thousands of people watching your videos. Like, so how is, how, how do you go from only speaking to the local scene to speaking to all over the, the world, you know, like, I got it. This is great. So same thing from when I did Cadence. I've had this mentality for, for years. It's it's almost like a meta perspective. When I started Cadence, I was heavily involved with the track bike scene and the messenger culture. But I knew I right away did not want it to be a track bike company. I didn't call it track bike clothing sure. or whatever dumbass name you could call it. It's Cadence. It's a bigger thing because that leaves room for growth. That leaves room for change. And it, it's just like open-ended because that's what life is. We're, we're, we're bigger than just one thing. I'm getting a little, little ahead of myself here. And the same thing goes true with the videos is, you know, I didn't call this like Portland scene gravel videos. Like, no, it's, it's bigger than that. It just happens to be that I live in Portland and do the rides here. If I lived in Michigan, I maybe would do a Michigan version, but it would just be from that. So, unsolicited advice, I would say, don't label it the small local scene. Label it just, you know, like the, the a bigger picture version of it because someone in Arizona, oh, Michigan, oh, I don't live in Michigan. Like, well, right. I guess maybe, you know, but if it's like gravel podcast, you're like, well, I fucking love gravel. Like, oh, Michigan's got a crazy scene. Like, I didn't know they had hills in Michigan. I thought it was flat or whatever. It is pretty pretty flat oh cool <laughs> headwind for days <laughs> there are hills there's some hills but not like portland rollers there's, yeah um oh yeah those are mountains yeah here. The, <laughs> yeah those aren't hills <laughs> there are no mountains here um but yeah that's yeah no i mean that makes that makes complete sense but uh i just i i appreciate how you you are accomplishing that i guess well that's my job too is to do the best that i can to tell a compelling story that's the goal whether that i accomplish that or not is like highly debatable but that's the intention what's i what i set forth to do so i could go to north dakota and make a ride video based on who cares like you just it's the story and Actually, the more the scenery changes, the easier it is to tell the story because it's fresh. If I have to do the same route a lot, it's really hard for me to tell the story. It feels really like uh, yeah. heavy and hard and like, oh, they've seen this because I've seen this. Even though when you watch it, you would never know it's like the same route that you wrote a hundred times. It's yeah, it's like a weird part of making them. You uh, you have a lot of bikes um, and a, a lot of your... Uh videos you you focus a lot on i don't know switching things around or doing some kind of uh uh you know half-ass attempt at mechanicing or whatever that's maybe that's not the right it's a full-ass attempt a full-ass attempt resulted half half-assedly <laughs> but yeah, those uh, are, i do a series called not a mechanic because i'm not a mechanic but i'm like willing to work on my bike so are you is that something that you are you're actually into or is that something that you think well I have all these bikes, I have to do it, or it's also something that people are interested in. So, it, or do you just like to ride basically? What, what would you rather be doing? I mean, only riding. Yeah. Half, uh, maintenance is a have to. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll like enjoy it 
like a little bit while I'm doing it, but it's not like if I had my, I'd probably just hand it off to someone, you know, like yeah, yeah. fix this. Well, but you, I don't, are you I'm kind too of a DIY. Yeah. Are I, you, I, like, are you a, a gearhead though? Like, are you like, you know, like get really like into, well, I want to put these wheels here or if I could, you know, have this type of, you know, you know what I'm saying? For some sure. people don't care about it. Some people are just more into the experience of riding, but some people get so into the, the gear. It's a, you know, I'm like, like a half i'm a very unique scenario with it because you know people are sending me shit and like i'm like inundated with products so it's not if i had nothing you're like i want all these things but then you start getting everything you're like i don't even know what i want anymore (laughs) so what's your what's your favorite bike right now what do you Uh, it's it's too that's like your favorite color like it what kind of a ride are we going on that would be a better way to ask it okay yeah um, cause that I think of bikes as tools and I like, I have a lot of bikes because I, when I'm into something, I'm, I'm fucking into it. And it's like, you know, there's a, there's a carbon road bike behind me. There's a steel road bike right here. You know, there's like each one is a different thing. And I really like to experiment just in general. And that works really well with bikes. So like, oh, this bike with these bars or these tires or these wheels, mm. And then they all serve a different, a slightly different purpose. So one thing I'm noticing on your, I, I kind of made it on our emails back and forth. I said 750 versus, uh, or 650 versus 700. And as, I mean, it's kind of a joke because whatever, like who cares? But I do notice that a lot of people ride 650 on your, on your videos. And, you know, people in Michigan ride 650, but it, it's a majority 700C state. I, the, the reason I, my perspective on that is terrain. Terrain dictates so much about like what kind of bike, what kind of wheels, what kind of tires. And for us, we do a lot of chunky, heavy duty, like chunky single track and the rain. Ah. So it's, it's wet a lot, like nine months out of the year and fenders. And the, and the way that we can get high volume with fenders is 650B. It's just like it. I don't know. That's pretty much, that's the come to it. If we never had, if we never needed fenders, I don't know if I would care. Yeah. I don't know. And also, I don't know how, I don't know if I noticed that big of a difference. Sure. I should do this. Hmm. That'd be an interesting, like same ride, same bike, 650, 700. That would be an interesting for me. I don't know if that's an interesting video, but so, you, I feel like there's a down, like you're downplaying a little bit about um, whether right now or, uh, you know, it's, you're talking about being part of like a, a cycling culture and, um, and, the, and whatever the, the modern cycling scene and every, everything like that. But, um, but to be able to accomplish some of these rides you're doing, you have to be a legitimate rider. I'm not saying that those two things can't happen together, but you're obviously a strong rider and that just doesn't happen. Um, so do you, do you put a, I mean, there's, there's, there's a discipline to art and there's a discipline to creating. There also has to be a discipline to, to cycling. And what, what does that look like in your life? Okay. That's a cool question. Um, yeah. Like I, I train, like I race, I ride like I race, but I just like train to ride. Yeah. It just sounds funny, but 
part part of the reason too is physiology. Like I lucked out on the life lottery in the sense that, or another way to say it is I lucked out and found a discipline that actually works with my body type. Mm. Like if I was into like weight training, that's cool. Cause like, I'm not made for that, but lo and behold, endurance activities, like got it. That's what this body is made for. So that's a leg up. And then there's this, the keeping the plate spinning. So messenger riding all the time. The last place I worked as a, as a messenger, I still think this is crazy. We average 40 miles a day Whoa. in the fucking city in San Francisco is gnarly up, down, all of yeah. 40 miles is so insane. And then just kind of like stuck with it. You know, it would go up and down, but within the last however many years, like I guess kind of to answer this is um, the OMTM rides. They'd be these like big rides and you'd be super spent from them. And I, I was doing this before that, but it, it helped reinforce like, you know, ride two to three times a week bef during the week. And then on the weekends is like the big mission. So it's, it's always, yeah, always keeping this, the plate spinning. So, um, so keeping that plate spinning, is that similar to how you would approach like y y making things and creating things on the other side of the spectrum, not necessarily the, uh, the, the sport or the athletic side, but on the creative side, um, is there like the, the process that you go through, the discipline that you need? How does that, how does that work? Well, I think the way that I self-impose it is I, I make two videos a week. So there's, there's two deadlines. Sure. I have to produce two finished pieces every week. Like that's something. And there's, so there's a lot that goes along with that. And I also treat it. And before I even did this full time, I just kind of treated it like it was like, it's my job. Like, that's just what I do. So it's like, okay, just like, it's not romantic. It's like, you know, you punch in and just start edit, start working. It's work. And like, you know, work can be a four letter word or it can be like a, a something that you really enjoy doing or some, maybe it's a little bit of both depending yeah. on the day. <laughs> it's all part of that creative process, I guess. I mean, even though it's, um, well, you have to have that deadline, just like, just like you're working toward a, uh, uh, OMTM ride for the end of the week. You're kind of working toward these video releases each and every week as well. And some of that involves a crappy 30 mile ride in the rain um, and some of that involves editing in front of a screen for five hours or something like that, you know? A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. And that's the work, right? That's what allows, I'm not going to say greatness, but that's what allows you to, to do better, I guess. That's what allows you to ride a hundred miles. That's what allows you to, to make a video. And then the more you do that cycle, <laughs> the better <laughs> that each one can get. Right. And it's really just like, I, I, I think of it as this like ongoing thing. Like, it's just like, I'm really just like, put my head down and make it. And like, I'm not like a savor it, like cool, made it onto the next, like made it onto the next. It, it, yeah. I don't necessarily reflect on it a ton, but that, that balance is a hundred percent. Like that's exactly what you said with the website is like 
I'll like literally one day or like on an average day, like morning ride and then edit the rest of the day. Like it's this like balance of like cycling and making things. Sure. And then again, right now it manifests as videos. And I like videos like I like the apparel because it's multidiscipline. There's essentially like no limit to the things you could do. There can be drawing in it, music in it, like editing, storytelling, acting, infinite. And that's, I like that. I like a lot of different stimuli, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is great. I, I think I, 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 yeah, we've kind of touched on everything I was, I mean, the only other thing I was going to ask you about is how, how the world did you get hooked up with Upland Brewery? That, <laughs> oh yeah, you know them, huh? Yeah. I, I, um, I lived in Indiana. My brothers went to school I in Bloomington. That. So, um, so yeah, like when I saw, like, I was, I was like, what, is that really Upland that, uh, but then I saw the, one of the videos that you went to Bloomington. So, um, that was yeah. pretty cool. Um, was that just like they reached out and wanted, uh, wanted like, a you to do some work for him? Yeah. Their president is just like one of us. It's totally like a fight club thing. You just get these random people that's like obsessed with cycling and they just work like at a brewery and just hit me up. And I think he was like, do you want some beer? Oh no. He was like, do you, would you ever want to do a, a like a label collaboration? I was like, hell yeah, that sounds great. That's, so cool. that's a good example. Sorry. That's a good example of like the, a product that matches like a customer, like a lot of us and like the, the viewers, cause the viewers are us. It's the same type of person. We like beer. So it's this, it's such a perfect match. I actually am surprised that. I don't know. Maybe this is ignorant or a, a, a privileged statement that more beer companies don't hit me up. Cause it's a great mm-hmm. like connection. I want to talk about cannabis just quickly. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's featured regular, regularly on, on yeah. your videos. And uh, I know that it's one of your things about like destigmatizing cannabis. And I-, I love cannabis. I'm super pro cannabis. Normalized cannabis is like a thing that I think and say. I just, you know, it's, it's obviously not for everyone, but it's a, it's a plant. It's very holistic. And, you know, it's, I think it's a better thing than like, um, like alcohol by far. And then also DIY person that I am, I'll grow it in the, in the backyard, just like 20 feet from here. And like, I just love the whole, like grow your own medicine. Sure. Like, and I'll, I'll grow like uh, stuff with THC and stuff that's high CBD. So there's, you know, it's, I'm not just about like getting stoned all the time. Although I love getting stoned, it's not just about like a party aspect. And then dude, weed and bikes is like peanut butter and jelly. It pairs <laughs> really well. And of course, it, it's just up to the person. But for especially for like long distance stuff, it can be really helpful because it can kind of just like round those edges. It doesn't take pain away, but it can just like, you know focus a little bit, numb the, numb the, the noise within your body. And just, yeah, it's, I, I love it. Cause there's, you don't have to do anything. All you're doing is riding your bike. You don't have to like cognitively figure out something like, Oh, spreadsheets and like <laughs> people, you know, sure. Traffic and cars, but a lot of times we're riding like out 
we're not riding in the city, you know? Right. So yeah, but you know, dealer's choice. It's not for everyone. But if you're curious for anyone who's curious, I say, yeah, try it and just start small. Just do a tiny little bit, whether it's an edible or or smoked, you know, see see what you think. (laughs) Very cool. Well, I think, uh, no, this has been great. And like I said, I, we've kind of like hit everything that I, I was curious about and wanted to talk about. Um, you know, uh, you're so professional at this. Will you tell everyone at home where they can uh, find you and in, in the social world that we're in? Just Google Dustin Klein YouTube and it will be the gateway to all your viewing pleasure. <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram, but you can find that through the YouTube videos. And that you do two, two videos uh, a week? Thank you. Yep. Every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. PST. Do you um you have any big uh, big events or plans or some big things that we can look forward to uh, watching or uh, yeah watching for for like this summer doing anything big? Uh, there's a Colorado trip planned because I, I have a, a new van. Did you see this weird Japanese van that I had? Oh my god, that thing was that insane. Was, was wild. <laughs> wild yeah i got rid of that and i got a new modern vehicle that doesn't break down <laughs> it's awesome and you can go that other van was 85 horsepower <laughs> slow so fucking slow yeah so tangent i'll go to colorado to do a build out on the new vehicle oh cool and uh i i gotta hit up grinduro but I would like to do Grinduro again this year. Uh, it's going to be in a new location. Thank God for a change. And then, I don't know, whatever else. Just always adventures, you know? Cool. Fun. Tune in next week to see what happens. <laughs> Very cool, man. I, I appreciate this so much. Uh, you... You are constantly doing things, obviously, and very uh, busy. So thank you for taking the time just to kind of chat and, and uh, I don't know, get a little philosophical on a few few of the uh, aspects of your life. Dude, this was great. Thanks for hitting me up. I totally appreciate it. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Mid-Pack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline 616-522-2641. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing, music, um, everything else is handled by me, Trevor, while Sheldon is off on vacation somewhere. Who knows? Thank you, Dustin Klein, for joining the podcast, for Ryan B.A., for joining, and, of course, for Chet Bearclaw. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack.